Um, in a moment, we will be hearing from Neil, uh, who is going to be continuing the uh, preaching series on gospel, gospel-driven generosity. Uh, but before we do that, I'd like to read from Luke chapter 9, from verses uh, 49 to Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Um, Luke 9, 49 to Luke 10, verse 2. It reads, and I quote, uh, Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. Don't stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciple James and John saw this, they asked him, Lord, don't you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they, were, as they were working along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he, has, where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's make Neil feel really welcome. Well, good morning, you lovely people. I, I, I just, just, I love being here at King's, and I find it also an immense privilege to be able to speak on a Sunday morning. So, th thank you for coming. Great, to, great to see you. As he's, as um, we've already heard, we're in the midst of this series known as Gospel-Driven Generosity. It covers all aspects of life. And the, the Bible says. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not a holy moment, but a holy life. And that, that encompasses the whole of your life, all of it. And that's why we've covered uh, a breadth of topics such as forgiveness and hospitality, grace, wealth, and today it's generosity and ministry. You see, what matters 
in your life is not how long you live, but how you live. What matters in your life is not how long you live, but how you live. What legacy are you going to leave? It's how you live. So the generosity of of ministry, of serving, is non-financial. I didn't say it wasn't costly. I just said it's non-financial. And yet, it's hugely significant because it's one that gives value to another. So it involves our time, our talents, our personalities, even our experiences. It takes the focus off ourselves and, um, and onto others. It, it does us good, my friends. And as we pick up this passage in Luke, uh, unusually, that's because I know where I want to go, I, I'm starting at the end and I'm working backwards. And in this, I'm going to highlight three aspects in regards to ministry. Giving ourselves away, growing in following, and grounded in grace. Giving, growing, and grounded. So the end of the passage, if you remember, it reads, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Well, previously, if you you know the previous chapter, um, Jesus has given the same uh, instruction to 12 disciples. So to the 12 disciples, he just has given the same instruction as he's now given to the 72. Now, I don't know what you think about when we use the word ministry, so when, I was, when I'd be out on a golf course and people asked me, well, what do you do? Uh, this is before I retired. I would say, uh, I work for a church, hoping to open up some conversation. And we eventually found out what I did and they would go, so you're in the ministry. You know, so you're in the ministry. In other words, you're a professional. That's, that's, that's you, you do that. Um, uh, please, please, I'm asking you, don't think like that. Please don't do that because first of all, it's 12 and now it's 72. I think the point being made is we all get to do this. This isn't just, just for a few special people or a, an elite group. No, this is for everyone. We all get to do this. Church people, you've been shaped to serve. So Ephesians 2 verse 10 says we are God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You're his handiwork. You You are uniquely crafted and shaped by God. Yes, uniquely. And, And the Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So stop doing a downer on yourself. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, when God calls this man... Abraham, he sort of pops up into Genesis 12 and he, he says to him, he said, talks to him, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation and I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to bless you. And he says, and he also says, you're to go, go. And he says that all peoples on earth will be blessed through him. Abraham, you're going to be a blessing. 
And uh, you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. And Christians, the same applies to you and me. That's, that's a mandate for you and me. Don't see yourself as a, a consumer. See yourself as a provider. God has made you uniquely you. Even the things that have gone wrong in our lives, our tragedies, our failures, our suffering, believe me, God will use it for good. God will use it for good. So I recall a member of the church going through a very difficult time. Uh, and it really was about questioning. He was questioning his faith. And I just had this constant conversation going on. It almost seemed like every week we were talking about uh, how he was struggling with his faith. And so I, um, so I wasn't tongue-in-cheek. Right? I wasn't being funny. I said, well, tell me, why do you keep coming? And he pointed to someone in the church who was experiencing extreme hardship and suffering at that time. And he pointed, he said, I'm here because they are. I'm here because they are. Because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And I thought, wow. You know, we, we, get, we, we get to give away ourselves even in our worst possible moments. I was really struck with it. What matters in your life is not how long you live, but how you live. And to be fair, this person was living out the life, even in their hardship, even in their suffering. There are certain hands that are made for you to hold. Yes, you. So please, I'm asking don't discount yourself. It's because of who you are. So don't discount yourself because of your brokenness or failure. We all get that part. That belongs to all of us. So don't discount yourself. That's a hallmark for all of us. Otherwise, you know, you can waste your life or you can invest it. You can waste your life or you can invest it. We have been designed to make a difference. The talents you have, you think they're for you. No, no, they're for the benefit of others. A few weeks, uh, months ago, months ago, uh, Des, my wife, and, um, and I, we had an unscheduled stop at an A&E at Stoke Mandeville. And as I think about it, and when I thought about it, I thought, come to think of it, um, every stop at A&E is unscheduled. <laughs> Every stop. Uh, and and we've been there a long time. And it was full. And getting fuller. And one member of the staff had the task of monitoring people's uh, monitoring people by taking their blood pressure. Uh, because it's uh, not an easy environment to be in, and it wasn't. And so she'd go around and take somebody's blood pressure and then somebody else, and then somebody else, and then she'd come back to people again and again. She was so good. I mean, it was, it was tough. It was a tough environment. She was so good. And I told her, I said to her, you know, whatever you do, don't give up the day job. In, in other words, you, I just told her, you're so good with people. You're absolutely brilliant. And she seemed quite shocked, you know. But I said, and here she was doing this stuff. This was her... Her role, she's giving herself away. I was really utterly impressed. And, and so I thanked her. 
We're blessed to be a blessing, my friends. We serve God by serving others. And giving away yourself is not primarily about skills. Actually, it's primarily about attitude. Let me ask the question, how available are we? It's a really good question because we live such busy lives, don't we? How available are you? Matthew 20, Jesus is in a large crowd of people and two blind men are on the roadside and they shout out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd goes, and uh, I'm not sure if it's quite like that, but anyway, something like that. They, they try and shut them up. You know, he's, he's, he's too busy for you. And then they shout out again, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stops and they asks them what they want. And the two men are healed. On another occasion, Jesus is walking in one direction and a funeral is coming in the other direction. And this widow is walking beside the coffin of her son. And Jesus stops. He has compassion on her. He raises her son from the dead. And then there's the time when he's on the way to a sick child of a synagogue leader. And then a woman touches his clothes because she thinks if I touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And she is. And he stops. She shouldn't have been there. He stops. He values her. He gives her worth. He tells her to go in peace. It seems that a number of miracles occurred when Jesus stopped. I don't know if you've ever done a study on that, but the number of miracles occur when Jesus stops. He allowed himself to be stopped. Now, let me be quite clear about this. This is a challenge for me. I'm not great at this. I am not. I, I, I get too focused on my agenda. I'm too busy with me and my things. You know, I, I noticed the other day, I had been rapidly moving through the day, this thing, that thing, that thing. And then this thought dropped into my head. And the thought was, I wonder what I've missed with all this busyness. I wonder what has been right in front of me that I paid no attention to. Someone calls this the ministry of interruptions. And perhaps interruptions is your challenge. But who knows what God what opportunities God will give you if you allow yourself to be interrupted. Availability, my friends, is not a skill. That's an attitude of the heart. Now, a while ago, um, this person found out that I was shocking news about her health. I was just absolutely shocking news. Out the blue. That's just, I can't, I can't explain it, but it was just it was such shocking news. And I thought, I'm going to run into this lady. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see her. I'm going to meet her. Um, what, what do I say? What do I say? And I, anyway, I, I did. I ran into her. 
uh, she was with some friends. And I said to her, I said, I don't know what to say. It's not a bad line, really, is it? I said, I'm really sorry to hear that. I was thinking about this, and I thought, I just don't know what to say. And then she started to talk to me. And that's another, that's another gift that we can give away. It's not a skill. Well, it is a skill, actually, but just listening. Giving people time. Listen, listen, listen. And, and she talked. She talked. It's, it's an attitude, my friends. Availability. Now to keep to this theme, the attitude of gratitude is crucially important. We live in such a critical culture. I want to tell you, my friend, it's, at times it's exhausting. I remember watching the news the, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I just turned it off. I just off. I can't cope. It's just sapping. It's sapping the life out of me. Oh, goodness me. How much more? I think I'm pretty resolute, but that was it. I had, had enough. You guard your heart. You guard your heart. It's too easy to slip into this critical, analytical uh, culture. It's too easy. The Bible tells us to do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. You know, a lack of gratitude takes the sign off your life pretty quick. And after that's gone, what are you left with? Dull. When the shine's gone, it's dull. Let's hear that word. Can you, could you all just say that word? Dull. Come on. Dull. Yes, say it at home. I've done this at home myself. Right, dull. It is exactly what it sounds like. It's just dull. <laughs> so, when the shine's gone, whatever is left is dull. This week, make it a goal. Express your gratitude and thankfulness to God. Listen, every day. And express it to others. Some people have a pretty tough life serving others in supermarkets and elsewhere. Come on, express your gratitude. We've all been in the company of moaning people. It's not fun. It's not fun. Actually, it just saps the life out of you. I don't know if you've ever been in a group like that and, and, then, you, and then you get drawn in and it's just sapping the life out of you. Moaning people. Do you know, I love the company. I love the company of grateful and thankful people. It does me good. At home, at work, at church, friends, family, wherever. So please, be a grateful person. You will shine. Because there's so many ungrateful people. Just, just do it. Give yourself away. We can all spot problems. Some people are ever so good at that. It's better to be part of the solution, though. Give yourself away. Come on. Serve others. There are brilliant ministries here at King's. All this wouldn't happen if people hadn't given up their time and all the rest of it and the skills and the abilities to make this happen for you to sit here. It wouldn't have happened if they hadn't done that. Serving you and me. And then there's people serving this town. And then we're serving nations. 
Ron and John are going to Nepal. Let me just say that about the uh, Kathmandu, King's Church Kathmandu. Um, they're just going on our behalf. So many of you have given to the work in Nepal. And it's not just financially. Some of you have been there. You've done the trek. You've been in there. You've connected with the people. You've given yourself away. Big deal. It's a big deal. Rick Warren says, there's no such thing as a non-serving Christian. Well, that's a good line, isn't it? There's no such thing as a non-serving Christian. What's your availability? What are you giving yourself away to? Three exchanges happen in the middle section of this passage, and it's all to do with following Jesus. One man says to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus seems to put him off. Foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And of all the three people mentioned here, surely this is the follower that you want. Hey, wherever you go, I'll go wherever you go. Uh, but as with others, Jesus challenges him. He tells him, he tells him life can be tough. Even foxes have dens. Birds of the air have nests. Son of man. He challenges him. He wants him to think it through. It's not plain sailing following Jesus. Yeah, of course, there are wonderful moments. I've, I've, had, I've had a glut of them. But my friends, it isn't the whole story. Some here at King's will tell you that. It can be a pretty rough ride at times. When Des and I became Christians or gave our, our life to follow Jesus, let me tell you this. I know you'll be shocked, but not everyone knew, not everyone that we knew, threw up their hands and went, oh, hallelujah. That actually, very, in fact, I don't think anybody did. Oh, that was my mom. She would have gone, hallelujah. All right. A number of people were really offended. I mean, really offended. And what's more, they let us know they were offended. It's not an easy road. Oh, but it is the best. Because you found life. And you found it in all its fullness in Jesus Christ. Now, notice that Jesus doesn't say this to the other two. And I think that's a kindness. He, he gets this man. He doesn't want him to become disillusioned. Following Jesus is a serious matter. And he's taking this man seriously. It's not, it's not an emotional moment. Don't put it down to all. Feelings are fickle. Here one day, gone the, no, gone the next. Je Jesus is not promising him a problem-free life. Hence the challenge. Now with the other two, Jesus invites them to follow him. And they want to follow. One says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And the second says, oh, Come back to that in a moment. And the second says, I'll follow you, but first let me go and say goodbye to my family. Now, we can treat them the same because both of them have the same issue. And the issue is family. Now, you have to think context here because this is a patriarchal society. That means family is everything. Absolutely everything. Family is where you fit. Family is where you belong. Parental approval is everything. 
Now, some of you will know this. We're a multi-ethnic church. So we come from all sorts of different cultures. And some of you fully get this culture of family expectation on you. I've talked to some of you. <laughs> I know you do. If the family's happy with you, life is good. If they're disappointed or disapproving, then the door is open to shame and guilt, even, even failure. Jesus is speaking into something that's highly valued in that society. Ah, but what about you? What's the prize of your life? What's the high value of your life? Career? Or is it family? Well, I'll put everything into my family. Money? Is it money? Marriage? I want to be married. None of those are wrong in the, of themselves. But Jesus' challenge is him first. Him first. So the general view in light of the one who wants to bury his father is that he wants to wait until the life of his father is ended. If his father just died, he would have been buried immediately. And so in that scenario, the man wouldn't have been there at all. So notice this. But first. Lord, first. Growing and following means that Jesus is first. If we're placing any conditions on following Jesus, then let me tell you, he isn't first. You are. So one pastor had numerous conversations with an attender at his church. He, I mean, he just loved to talk about all things Christians. He was a really, he just loved to talk about it, loved to talk about Christianity and, and the meetings and all the rest of it. But he kept holding back. And one day, pastor got it. Ah. And then he said to him, you won't commit because you don't want to give up that relationship which you know is wrong. You don't want to change your lifestyle. He put his hands up and said, and that was him. And what's more, he didn't change his lifestyle either. He didn't want to change his lifestyle. It wasn't Jesus first. Jesus first. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service. You know, if you plowed a field, you would have your eye fixed on that line so the furrow is straight. And because you had your eye fixed on right ahead, you would see any sort of obstacles coming your way. Because if you lost your plow, that was it. You lost your livelihood. Your eye is fixed, absolutely fixed. If you look back, if you look back when you're plowing, I've done this when I'm mowing the lawn. If you look back when you're plowing, and then it's all over the place. You're all over the place. No, no. Jesus is exclusively first. Growing and following means that you're going to come across times like this in growing. So what you'll find is that things that you thought you had already dealt with, suddenly at a different season in your life, up it comes again. And you thought, I've done with that. I've dealt with that. Here it is again. This is an everyday life 
with Jesus. Everyday matter. Salvation isn't, is a rescue, my friends. It's not assistance. It's, it's a resurrection, not a revamp. His promise is that you would have life and have it to the full. My friends, he's not our assistant. How can the person who created the heavens and the earth, how can he be our assistant? He is unreservedly first. Amen? He is? Well, it all starts with the foundation of grace. Because if you don't start at this place, you'll end up with duty. And you'll end up with obligation. And I'm serving again. And it's a Christian requirement. And I ought to do this. No, no. It all starts with grace. So the, the disciples' generosity and grace is limited. There's a man casting out demons in Jesus' name. They want him to stop. They want him to stop. He's not one of us. Love that. He's not, he's not in our group. You know, he doesn't come to our church. Hey, careful, careful, careful. We easily get competitive and compare ourselves. Jesus categorically says, don't stop him. Whoever is for you is not against you. And then following this, a Samaritan village wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Um, you know, that, that's just not right because it's all about hospitality. You just don't do that. And John and James are so worked up, they want to incinerate them. I mean, I think it's slightly over the top, but, you know, they want, they want to incinerate this village. Call down. Should we call down fire from heaven? It's funny, as if they could. Anyway, that's another matter. But possibly they're remembering the story of Elijah because previously they had this moment with Jesus in the Mount, what they call the moment of transfiguration. Moses and Elijah were there. And it's in the earlier, it's in chapter nine. And in the story of Elijah, the wicked king Ahaziah sends a detachment of 50 soldiers to apprehend Elijah. He's not inviting him for breakfast. He's going to have him for breakfast, but he's not inviting him for breakfast. And that's the point. And Elijah says, well, if I'm a prophet, he said, I'll calls down fire from heaven, and that's an incineration. 50 people, gone. And then uh, the king sends another detachment, 50 people, and the, the same response happens. But in this case, Jesus' response is a strong rebuke to his disciples because fire represented God's judgment. God's judgment on evil, God's judgment against sin. And Jesus didn't come to bring judgment. He came to bear judgment. And on the cross, he took our sin. He took our sin and he took all the punishment of sin on him. He's not wagging his finger at you and me. Father, forgive them. Forgiving us. On the cross, Jesus alone, rejected, abandoned, that you and I might be embraced and loved and accepted. He bears the uh, judgment, the fire of judgment on the cross in order that you would have and be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit to live this life of Christ through you. In the pioneer days of America on the prairie lands, 
People sometimes found themselves in an area that was about to be consumed by fire because they could see it in the distance. And they could see it coming and there was no place to escape. So what they would do is they'd burn an area of ground. Now after it was burnt, they would stand in this area of ground and the fire would come, whipped up by the wind, it would come up to this burnt area and stop. Nothing to consume it. And then the fire would pass by. Nothing to consume you because he has already taken the judgment of God. How wonderful is he? How wonderful is he? It's no wonder that the Apostle Paul would only boast in the cross. We can stand in Christ because he has taken all the judgment, condemnation, he's taken all of our sin. Last week was Remembrance Sunday. You may have seen pictures like this um, or figures like this on the roadside. And it'll come back up in a moment. I saw it the other day. I was a a away during this time, but I, I saw this. And at the bottom, it doesn't show it clearly, but at the bottom it says, lest we forget. Well, we do that once a year. But my friends, we do this every day. Lest we forget. Let's not forget what Jesus has done for us and who we are now in Christ. Anyone in Christ? New creation. That's it. New creation. Anyone in Christ? New creation. In Christ. You were chosen before the creation of the world. You're already in him. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is the safest place in the world to be, my friends. In Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amazing grace. You can give without love, but you cannot love without giving. For God so loved the world that, what's the next two words? Let's do it again. So, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. You have been born in Christ to give. Be a blessing, my friends, and have a blessed week. Thank you.